This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We're starting a new module tonight. And um, I thought it was wild, the, the songs that Alex chose. Just, you know, sometimes it's your own heart, how your heart feels. But my heart just felt like, oh my gosh, all of these songs just seem to match up with the spirit of covenant. Um, so tonight we are looking at, tell me I didn't leave one piece, there it is, your inheritance in God, covenant life as seen in scripture. You know, so often in the body of Christ, um, or in the church, let's just make it religious and chunk it into the church, um, we don't hear the word covenant. A lot of places, until I came here to this house, I never heard anyone use the the word covenant. And part of the challenge was not hearing the word covenant in relationship to us living with God in relationship is covenant's a really serious term. A really serious term. In Eastern cultures, when they cut covenant, this was no joke. There was blood involved, and it was a complete commitment of life. And there was no breaking of it. Like, they didn't, it wasn't like, you know, even in this country, it's, you can get married, marriage is a covenant, you can get married, and if you don't like it, you can just get divorced. And unfortunately, in this day, a lot of people are very casual about it. If you've been divorced, no condemnation, I've been divorced. And I wasn't casual about it. But some people do. Some people will just say, well, we'll get married. And if it doesn't work, we can take care of it. There's so many things like that in our lives where if it doesn't work out, we'll just take care of it. And yet that whole idea of taking care of something is God's idea. He says, I'm going to commit myself to take care of you. However, there's a safe space in which you'll learn about this. You'll understand what it is to walk with me. Um, You know, I say all the time, and so no condemnation. And there truly, the condemnation never comes from God. God doesn't judge us and put, you know, he doesn't condemn us. He doesn't think we're horrible. However, he says there are places that you can walk in life where condemnation will come on you, but not from me. It's a product of sowing and reaping. It's a product of consequence. So God, this entire book is written about relationship. We went through um, faith. We just had the module on faith. And the focus in the faith, um, Marianne brought it up quite a bit, was relationship. That faith actually is a relationship with God. Now, he gives us the faith in that relationship. But if we really, and we will delve in for about the next eight or nine weeks, we're going to delve into that relationship. That relationship, from his perspective, is a covenant. It's something that he literally committed himself to, to such a degree that he chose to make a natural life for himself. He took existence in a natural life and shed blood. To come into relationship with us. So we're going to look at a lot of these things. We, you know how I always tell you all, I will often read things from my notes because if I'm sitting there and and I feel like God inspires me to put down a thought, I don't feel like I need to just sort of ad lib it. So I'll read it. 
We were never intended to live outside of relationship. Never. So from God's perspective, we were never intended to live outside of covenant. Man was not even built to thrive outside of relationship with God. Even the way in which he formed us was so that we could be filled with his spirit. With all that he is. Think about that. He built us spirit and soul and body. We are spirit. We exist in a body, but we are spirit. I thought you were waving at me, Donna. She's like, somebody walking by her, and I thought, what did I do? He built us spirit so that literally he formed man, and then he blows, he breathes, he communicates into an immovable, an unmoving form, his life, his spirit. An animated Adam. He animated Adam. He wants to animate us. Every day he wants to animate us. He wants to animate us with peace, with love, with joy. He wants to animate us with that which releases from us and goes like a fragrance back to him tonight in worship. He, he was filling us in order that we would overflow back to him. Not because he has need of that adoration, but because that adoration released from us takes us out of selfishness. You know, selfishness isn't just about, I've got a Bible and no, Alex, you can't have it. Selfishness is focused on me. And he said, the minute you focus on yourself, you're going to depend on yourself. And we were not built to live independently of him. So we're going to look at all of these things. This is why when, and what I just said, okay, he built us, he literally formed us. Even you are formed in a way that tonight, the thoughts that come from God, the things he's transmitting to you, you're built to receive. You see, so often we'll say, well, I didn't really understand what she said. I don't understand how a seed put in the ground can grow a flower. I don't understand how my husband's seed inside of my uterus could bring forth Mary Ann and my two sons. I don't know how that works. I know how to put it in action. Are y'all with me? See, this is part of the life. He says, I'm going to tell you how to put it in action, but then you're going to have to trust me for the fact that the seed will reproduce. This is why when influence comes to us, it fills and overflows us. Irregardless of what the influence is. Because we're built to be filled. We are built to be spiritually filled. And if we're not spiritually filled with life, something else is going to influence us and then overflow us. Ever um, had something, let's just say at the office, let's not talk about at home. Something, a situation comes and it's fueled. And each person that adds their opinion, the thing gets more fueled and it escalates. And each, what each one of us carry and bring to the table, it just 
escalates. And you can end up in a full-blown discussion with varying opinions. And the room will fill with division. And you love each other. And you're like, how did this happen? Influence. Take a deep breath. Covenant's going to be beautiful, but it's important that we understand what it is to walk in covenant, what it is to keep covenant with God. He will never break it with us. But we sometimes, just like if you stand over there at that wall and you flip those switches on and off, the lights will go on and off. We can do that with real life. We can turn it on and off. And we're the ones that do that. God doesn't do that. God can't breathe out anything but what he is. And he is the spirit of life. He is the spirit of truth. He is light. He is love. He doesn't have these things. He is them. Which is why how we're built is pretty crucial. Here's a quote from Oswald Chambers. I absolutely love this quote. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain and the surrounding influence and qualities produced by that relationship. I'm going to read it again because this is key. We can get real caught up in working to stay in covenant with God. We can, we can like you must be very cautious in so or wherever else you study the word, that you don't listen to the principles in order to be good. You see, we listen to the principles to hear God's heart. We listen to the principles to see what he's provided for us. Then we trust him that when we drink in of his truth, he's going to change our minds. He's going to adjust our hearts I've been mad before and said to God, I really don't want to do what you want me to do. I I don't want to do it. I don't like the idea. And I don't really want to do it. However, I give you permission to change my mind. I give you permission to influence me. And it's so beautiful. I mean, he doesn't come back and say, well, I am God. So do it. No, he comes with influence. I've given him permission. I encourage you, walk with God like that. Have real relationship that, you know, if Neil and I disagree, I'll say, well, you know, tell me, why are you feeling that way? Why are you thinking that way? We can say to God, impress me, influence me, show me the whys, show me what your word has to say about it. And all of those things, you see, God is incredibly influential. You see, influence isn't just an idea that comes at me. Influence is there's proof in the pudding. You look around, God begins to show us things, and you look around and you say, well, you did create everything that's seen here. You made and built me. He, he comes with influence that there's proof all around. If we'll just hesitate and allow him to influence with truly his seed. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain and the surrounding influence and qualities. The surrounding influence and qualities produced by that relationship. So as we head into the covenant teaching, I really want to encourage you to allow yourself to be influenced. Not um, indoctrinated, not bound to a ritual or a rule. 
if, if things come and you see from scripture or one of us teachers are teaching and you start to feel guilty or you feel like, oh, whoa, I don't even know how to walk in covenant. Don't let condemnation come. Don't let that, those icky feelings come. They have no place. They have no place in you. They're not supposed to come to you. God never comes to make us feel icky. He never comes to make us feel guilty. He comes to pull us close to himself so we can feel his heart, so we can sense what he has for us personally. I say all the time to you all, we all walk the truth differently, right? My personality and how I'm going to walk in covenant with God is different than you. It's the same thing with parents, natural parents and their children. All three of my kids don't have the same relationship with me. And I'll say that again and again to you because each of God's children don't have the same relationship with him. We see things differently. You know, all the influence we've had in our lives does form perspectives, does form paradigms. It forms filters through which we view. No one knows your filters better than your heavenly father. He knows exactly why you're afraid of certain things. He knows exactly why walls go up. And you know what's so beautiful? This is what, at least this is my perception of my Heavenly Father. He doesn't blame me and he doesn't blame the people that might have caused that in my life. He knows exactly who to blame. There is an enemy arrayed against mankind. And so the source of all the things that trip us up started right there. In the midst of darkness. You see, that's the power of forgiveness. And we're, we're going to look at all these things in covenant. We're going to look at what, is, what truly is our inheritance. Sometimes we sit and we say, well, I look at my life. It doesn't look like I've inherited anything. Ever feel that way that there are promises that you've never seen and it looks like other people have them? Here's something else with respect to covenant. We have to grasp that the sacrifice made for us was enough. What Jesus did was enough. For all of eternity, for all of mankind. There's no crime, there's no sin that is yet to possibly be made that it's not completely finished. Jesus, and this was God's intention, this was the Heavenly Father's intention. The price that Jesus paid, the life that he lived, and then the life that he gave was in totality all it would take. So no matter what you learn over the next eight or nine weeks or whatever you don't learn, won't change what he says your inheritance is. That wrecks me. To think that we could sit here planning out grocery lists, checking our watch, sitting down through worship and never worshiping doesn't change what he says belongs to us. Doesn't change a thing. We could sit here on a Wednesday night, maybe be blown away by the beauty of the word, never look at it again the rest of the week. Say no condemnation. I threw that one at you. No, seriously, because it is time, I believe. I'm saying this to me. 
to step to the next level and taking quite serious the things that God says to us, that he chooses. There's something I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. We need to get more serious about our gatherings. You see, when I'm in a room with you all, I come with my own faith, but I also come with the privilege, because I'm one body with you, of sitting in the midst of not just my faith, but yours as well. And so yours becomes part of the current of God in the room. And where I might fumble or whatever, but I feel comfortable with you all and comfortable with God in the midst of you all, there's something that he's able to do because of the, the, the group. You know, the word of God says that one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000. That's not addition. That's exponential increase. I love what you were talking about, Kevin, because increase, we think one plus one. God thinks one times one million. God is always thinking so big that it blows our mind. And that's very important for us to grasp because if he's going to influence us, he will take us out of the realm of rational thinking. And you see, many people say, well, you must be wise. I'm so tired of doubt being called wisdom. I'm very tired of that. And in my own self, you know, like... Don't get too, somebody said to me one time, I was ministering healing to a family member, just sharing scripture here and there. And at that point, he wasn't even born again. But I was so convinced. And you know, he'd been diagnosed with this terminal thing. And I'm like, he needs Jesus. I want him to have Jesus. If he just had Jesus, he'd have peace. And if he had peace, his body could change. And one of our other family members We're on the phone. Thank God. Seriously, thank God. We were on the phone because if she'd seen my face, if looks could kill, she'd have dropped just like that. She says to me, I don't want you to get his hopes up. I literally, this is a born again person talking to me. God had to talk me off the ledge when I got off the phone because I was so angry. I thought, dare somebody not want him to have his hopes lifted so God says you need to understand that she doesn't understand covenant she doesn't understand inheritance that though he doesn't yet know Jesus that inheritance is intended for him you see the Bible says that the rain falls on the the, uh, just and the unjust I mean, everybody gets the rain. Jesus went out and healed everybody that came to him. He didn't say, do you know me? Do you know God? Are you a Jew? He ministered. He poured it out. And that's what causes people to realize God is a beautiful father. You see, all of these inheritance pieces are actually the truths that draw the world to come closer to God. We've got to quit making our God look like the gods of false religions where if you don't behave right, he will smack you down. That's the false religion gods. They're the ones you have to appease. Cheers, Jesus. I'm going to take a drink. So we have to grasp that it was enough. Enough. Nothing can add to and nothing can detract from its power. Nothing. Nothing at all. It's truly finished. 
We now are to live in the finished work of God that he accomplished through Jesus Christ. He is now and will forever be our father and provider. See, this is, this is something that we have to learn to say. He's my I am. He's not just the I am. He's my I am. See, he doesn't even say to me, I will be your healing. He says, no, I am your healing. I am your healing. I am your healing, Kathy. So he's my I am. When I feel crazy, he's my sanity. So I am alive because he is life. He is my life. Take a deep breath because, you know, there are many truths that come slamming at us and we'll talk about principles from scripture and they come slamming at us and what they come slamming against is our thinking. Our nat- Don't hate your brain. Our brains have been trained to protect us. Unfortunately, in some arenas, they've been trained to protect us against truths that rest in this book. If you've been in religion, you've been trained to resist false doctrine. And you've been told that many of the things taught in a full gospel circle are false. And so, and I remember I heard Clark Taylor say this one time and I was so blessed by it. He said, don't hate your mind. He said, your mind has been taught, for example, don't touch the stove, you'll get burnt. Don't do this, this will happen. And so when that's what's been programmed into our mind, we listen to our own mind. For years, I was taught that all of the gifts and tongues and all those things, that stuff had passed away. That once that, and scripture or in a Baptist church, scripture is always used. When that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect will pass away. However, these things like provision and healing, they're not things God gives us. They're God. That's God. Healing is for us because God is life, not sickness. So when life comes, death is cast out. See, I encourage you, let scriptures start, and sometimes it feels a little bit crazy when this starts happening, when scriptures start twirling around inside you and linking up almost like train cars and they hook together and you can't divide anymore. I have so much trouble teaching topically because everything is attached to everything else. And so I'm like, if I teach covenant, I can't help but teach faith. And, and if, if I'm talking about worship, I can't help but talk about identity and everything's connected to everything. It's a trip, isn't it? Like you get a few years down the road in your Christian experience and it's just like, this is truly one life. It's not compartmentalized. But we break things up here in the School of Word and Worship because we do want to approach topics so that you can begin to have things start circling in your thinking. When they first start to circle, you think you're getting confused. Because you're thinking, well, we're doing covenant, but I thought that was a prosperity scripture. Well, prosperity is a covenant part of your inheritance. Prosperity is inheritance. I want to stop one minute on prosperity. The Bible says that everything you put your hand to prospers. It doesn't say every good thing you put your hand to prospers. Everything you put your hand to. Why? Because 
God said, be fruitful and multiply. See, we love to leave that in the realm of the natural. He would seed her womb and they would populate the earth. Oh, they were going to populate the earth with a lot more than humans. Take a deep breath. Because I'm already feeling like, okay, I don't know about these notes. Because, But see, increase, the beauty of that is once you know the promises, you have the power for them to increase through your life. This is why Paul said, taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ, in obedience to the anointed one and his anointing. The anointing destroys every yoke and bondage. So if you've got a thought that's dividing you from covenant promise, you better take that puppy captive. Sometimes we just think so aimlessly, don't we? We just, we just go down the... I, I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm shocked sometimes how fast one thought multiplies. It's astounding to me. If you actually take it and you're like... Yeah, she did look at me like that. You go down a whole road and you speculate what another human thinks about you. And you have an, you might spend an hour, an hour and a half. And then you, the next time you see him, you're like, you'll literally go on another aisle at a store to avoid the human being because you're sure they can't stand you. But what if we take that power And we attach it to the truths of God. What if we let the thought, Jesus died for me. He paid the price for me. He said, forgive her, Father. She doesn't know what she's doing. You do realize he said that toward every human ever born. You do know why he said it. Jesus didn't think it up. He said only what the father said. So the father's like, fills him, breathes into him. In his debilitated state, on a cross, father, he's still obeying father. He's still speaking the father's voice over the planet. And he says, forgive them, father. They don't know what they're doing. The father's heart poured out over us, out of Jesus. Forgiveness, like a flood, came out of his heart because God's heart was to forgive to wipe away debt of all kinds. I like to take things to the limit. Actually, I like to take it past the limit. If he paid the price for every debt that would be against us, (laughs) turn off your brain for just the rational thoughts. What natural debt do you have in your life that maybe you did make a mistake and make it? But he says, I don't want you living under the pressure of any form of debt. That's not to say we don't get a mortgage. You hear what I'm saying? But when something becomes a pressure, he doesn't want us to live under pressure. He wants us to live in peace. So whatever steals peace from you, God will walk with you in the midst of that. See, we say, well, he just... He will handle spiritual stuff with me. That is spiritual. Anything in our life, because your spirit being, hello, what what could be not spiritual? Your spirit, right? Y'all with me? Let's look at a couple of verses. Acts 17, 28. I'm never going to get through what I thought I was going to go to tonight, but that's okay. The 
Somebody will hit the words for covenant. Acts 17, 28. In him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. So that living in him is not just talking about like a Christian phrase. We live in him. It's we live in his word. We live in his truths. We live in his promises. We live and move and have our entire being, our entire existence in the truths, the promises, the things that God says, these are expressions of me. You will live and move and have your being there. You don't have to lose your personality. Colossians 1.17 says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Feel like you're falling apart, not consisting? See, that's one of the, this kind of a scripture can cause you to take a thought captive. The passion translation of, of Colossians 1.17 is he existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Think about John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, Jesus, the word, was in the beginning. Pastor Barry used to say, in heaven before he came, his name wasn't Jesus, it was the word. <laughs> I love it. That kind of stuff just kind of floats my boat and turns me on. He was in the beginning, and nothing was made that was made except by him. And then you go to verse 14, and he became flesh and came and hung out among us so that we could see how we have been spoken forth to be a manifestation of the word, the truth of God. No, we're not Jesus. No, we're not the one son that paid the price. But the Bible says he was the firstborn among many brethren. You see, we have to let our minds get baptized in these truths. We can't just carry them up here like in a computer. And, okay, I'm dealing with sickness or I'm dealing with with finance, and so we press the button, we type in Google, whatever you want to call it, or we just type in, we want this program to come up, and the scriptures on finance come up, boom. There might be something else that's causing us to have problems with finance that have nothing to do with finance. I had um, certain perspectives, and my father had raised us to save for a rainy day. And to be frugal. And yet we weren't poor or anything. And so I kind of tithed with obediently. But I could tell like my mind was, this was years ago. Before I was baptized. No, it was right after I was baptized in the spirit. We've been tithing for years. Because Neil was like, I mean, his pocketbook got saved so fast it was crazy. And I was, I handle writing the bills and I'm thinking, I'm really happy for you that you're mindset on your pocketbook got saved, but I'm the one who's got to write your checks. And what you're saying doesn't match with what's in your bank account. But he was convinced, and I'm not making fun of that. He was in faith. I was in fear, and I was like, (laughs) so I'm doing everything that we're supposed to do, but I could tell it was like this. 
And I'm telling you this story because it's very important that your will is engaged with God's truth, not just your want to. So I'm folding clothes in my little girl's room, folding her little tiny clothing. Everybody's at school, Neil's at work. God says to my heart, "Um, you're not willing to prosper. (laughs) I laughed out loud. I said, oh, I want to prosper. He said, I know you want to prosper. You're not willing to prosper. And I mean, we were being taken care of, but it felt like check to check kind of taken care of. And so I said, no, I'm, I'm willing. He said, no, you're not willing. He said, you have a closed fist. I don't want anybody to get condemnation from this because anything that you would need, whether it's healing, finance, peace, um, joy, you have to let your will be renewed to God's truth. Because willpower, people, I've heard even Christians teach, willpower is no big deal. Oh, it's a way big deal. It's a way, way big deal. Because if you do not have the power in your will, and this is the power for your will right here. This is the power for your will. If your mind is renewed to truth, you will be able, enabled to will yourself. You see, God's will is pointed towards us. Now, I want you to know, when the God of creation has his will aimed at us, just agree. <laughs> like, we just need, and I'm talking to me too, because I have to take thoughts captive. I teach this, and I'm like, the enemy tries to steal it from me as much as anybody else, and the, even the happenings of life come to steal truth. They, they militate against it because there are opposing forces on the planet. He existed before anything was made. Now everything finds completion in him. So God says, you're not willing. I say, well, I want to. He said, yes, you want to. But I'm going to help you to realize how to be willing. And he began to minister to me that the different places it was it was funny the things that I was doing that, that showed me that I was afraid of running out. I would, um, if, they had, if Giant had the buy one, get one free kind of things, I would buy, but I would stash the extra and basically threaten the kids within an inch of their life, do not go after the snacks that are in the hall closet. You can have what's in the pantry. And when that's gone, I'll tell you when you can have the rest of them. So I'm sitting there that morning folding clothes, and he says, like the snack cabinet. (laughs) But seriously, you see, he was showing me my perspective, my fear. He was showing me my fear that it even came down to potato chips. Like, you you don't want them to... It comes from a good place, right? I I want them for the whole couple of weeks that these groceries need to last. I want them to have some treats. But he said, you're denying them the treats. And so he just showed me, he unraveled. But you see, this is the way God wants to talk to us. He, we get all spiritual and say, show me how to prosper. Show me how to release the tithes. Show me how to engage my faith in the tithe. Well, you're going to have to quit worrying about potato chips. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously. You know, yeah, you got two bottles of pop for 99 cents. Whoop, whoop. You're basically abusing your kids and threatening them. So you, you fall into these lifestyles of lack. I wasn't even realizing I was living in lack and he was fully providing for us. So I had to let his word show me, Kathy, just open your hand. 
Just, just open your hand. When you guys do your check, just let your hand be open. Like, I had to get a picture of my hand open. Because he said, how can I put more in your hand when it's closed? It was all a mindset. But he was using natural pictures. See, Jesus will talk to you in parables. These are your parables. The ones we see here were the parables of that day. He's showing us parables. And I'm saying all this because he's going to come with the covenant truth. He's going to come with inheritance teaching. And he's going to say, I literally signed my name on the dotted line so that you could have complete provision, spirit, soul, and body, so that you could have peace of mind. You see, nothing happens out here until peace reigns on the inside. I want to pray right now because, Father, I thank you for peace for your children. I thank you that tonight, Father God, you're literally going to light on their thinking. You're going to turn light bulbs on in their thinking that your desire is for their well-being, for their peace of mind. You desire, Father, that we have extreme peace of mind, that we will be undaunted by things in the world that threaten our future. I thank you, Father, that you gave us the Prince of Peace in Jesus' name. So there are going to be things, seeds that will be sown in your thinking, in your heart. There will be seeds that are going to spring up for you to meditate. Another scripture, Philippians 3.10, And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. You see, the power of his resurrection is working in all of us. Paul spoke in in the Ephesians 1 prayer, and he said the same power, the same, exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's working in us. Resurrection power has to do with standing up again. You know, the first place you stand up is in your thinking. The first place you stand in confidence is that your thoughts begin to line up with what is engraved in your spirit. We say so often, the word just needs to drop to our hearts, drop to our spirit. I don't think that's the picture. Your spirit is born new. Your spirit is one with God. The omniscient one dwells in our spirits. Our minds need to be enlightened. Are you with me? Wow. Got to land this plane. When we don't understand covenant, we resort to right and wrong or rule-based form of living. This binds us and stops the flow of life. As you sit in the covenant teaching over the next weeks, if you feel like a thought comes and makes you feel like, okay, I'm doing that wrong, I need to do that right, don't go there. Don't go into right and wrong thinking. 
because that immediately stops the flow. When God comes and points to a way that we're thinking that's improper or unhealthy, he's not doing it to make us feel like we've done something wrong. He's showing us the hiccups. He's showing us the blips on the screen. He's showing us paradigms or perspectives that could have been formed for generations in our family. You see, sometimes we have thoughts that have just, they've been carried on. Particularly like the denominational thinking with respect to the truths in scripture. That had been in my family for multiple generations, as far back as I know and am aware. We just always went to the same denomination because that's where we always went. So if any of us as adults, then we rededicated our lives. Neil and I even, when we rededicated our lives, I was born again in a Baptist church. When we rededicated our lives, we went to a Baptist church. Nothing against the Baptists. I thank God that I was actually raised in that denomination because this book, I was taught this is the living word of God from cover to cover. So when I really came to someone who actually taught me what was between the covers, I believed every word of it. So, but I can literally say that came from my upbringing. This is the infallible and errant word of God. So when I actually was told, well, read it, all of it, not just the one that says you must be born again. You see, all of my thinking can be born new. Not just the part that says, let's get the ticket to the right place. But all my thinking can be born new. Um, so it's, this um, binds us and stops the flow of life that was intended for our existence in the first place. I think I want to wind this down. Proverbs fourteen twelve. I want to go there. Or at least put this scripture in your heads. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Remember in the garden when, when God said... Don't mess with that tree because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. He was not saying you'll drop dead. You'll drop to the ground. And it's important for us to understand that's kind of what this scripture is saying. There's a way. There are ways that actually in in using those ways we die but not drop to the ground. We take in thoughts that begin to be a perspective, a belief system a way of thinking that literally can be passed from generation to generation. Fears that pass from generation to generation and are actually called proper, wise thinking. But they're fears. That was some of what my father was not trying to teach fear with respect to finance. And yet I come to adult life and there's a frugalness And uh, be wise in what I use and what we eat because it might not last. So there was this thing that was sown in our family that there's always a time it might not, there might not be enough. So save for that time. Prepare for that day. I'm not saying don't have savings accounts, don't have investments. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't believe that's what God's saying. But if our dependence is on that or our fear is on the fact that we don't have that, then that's a wrong perspective. Are you guys with me? So there's, there are ways. I even said as I was preparing for this, I said, you know, God, if there's 
places again where maybe it's like the closed fist and I'm teaching covenant or I'm listening to Heather teach covenant or whomever is up here. I want to be open to, wow, wackadoodle thought, Kathy. Begin to rein it in. Rein it in. Because this is, we come to places where we have the wackadoodle thoughts because they've been passed down from generation to generation in our families. Take a deep breath, church. In our churches. I believe living faith is a fabulous place for the teaching of the word, but we don't know it all. We don't know at all. And so this is a time that as we look at our inheritance, let's look at this word covenant from God's perspective because contractual living in the natural, particularly in this country, there's no contract or covenant that can be cut in this country that can't be broken by a good lawyer. But this covenant... No one can break it. It has never been broken. And it's never been broken like break the glass. God has stayed true to his word. And he says, and I will even persuade you to be enabled to believe it, which is what we just studied, faith. Faith is a communication from God. It's not an act we do to earn the inheritance. It's something given to us by God that gives us the power to believe such supernatural things. Father, we honor you tonight. We thank you so much for covenant. Thank you that you're going to open all our eyes over these next weeks. You're going to enlighten our thinking. You're going to give us peace. You're going to come with the beauty of conviction, not condemnation. You're going to come with that GPS that says, whoops, you made a wrong turn. And you're going to show us how to get back on track. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your graciousness with us. The power of your love to redeem and save us over and over and over. We just honor you and thank you for that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.